You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. To give you kind of a little bit of a synopsis or scenario of what's going on, it was around 1890, around 1890, that the whole aspect of Christmas trees started to take on a new element. If you remember in the previous messages, I talked about how this is of German descent and how that German tradition came over. To give you a specific time frame, it was during the Revolutionary War that some German mercenaries who were fighting for the independence of the United States came over and they settled in the Pennsylvania area and they brought this tradition that they called paradise trees. And it was evergreen trees that would be represented and they would hang different, especially apples and fruits, but the apples represented the fall and the exit from paradise. And it was a reminder of what God truly wanted for them and how their choices had led them a different way. Well, in 1890, all of a sudden this tree took on a different meaning. It stopped being known as paradise trees, and people started talking about it being Christmas trees because of one particular element. No longer were there fruits and nuts and goodies hung on the tree, but all of a sudden, these little glass balls started showing up on the tree. And in 1890, in the Woolworth department store, they realized the amazing opportunity they had to start selling these German-made hand-blown glass and lead balls to the point of a roughly around $25 million a year. Yes, Christmas tree ornaments had arrived in the United States. And when Christmas tree ornaments arrived, along with this aspect of electricity and lights in the early 1880s, all of a sudden people started realizing, I can decorate this tree and it has this beautiful accent to the holiday seasons and it has this tree skirt and it's beautiful. And on top of that tree skirt, if you remember last week, there would usually be a nativity set that would point to the true meaning of Christmas. Well, ironically, while this is all taking off in the 1890s and the early 1900s, a teenage boy by the name of J.C. Hall got off of a train right outside of St. Louis, and all he had on him was a shoebox full of postcards and a dream in his heart. He took a little bit of the money that he had, And this shoebox of cards, these postcards that he collected from his travels. And him and his brother, the Hall brothers, formed a company. That company grew and really started to hit a whole different aspect when it comes to to Christmas and the holidays and sending season greetings. But it really climaxed in 1951. In 1951, the people at NBC went to Mr. J.C. Hall, who now has a thriving, growing business with his brother, and they asked him, would you sponsor the first ever live opera on television? The name of the opera was Amel and the Night Visitors. In fact, I have a picture for you so that you will get a visual image. And this is written by an Italian gentleman who composed it. See, in Italian tradition, during the Christmas seasons, and I want to be real careful here, the wise men, the three wise men are the ones that come delivering gifts. Well, they 
launched this opera, and he was trying to figure out that he's kind of really well-known, and the NBC producers really wanted Mr. Hall to sponsor this, him and his brother, and, and this composer has composed this, and he is struggling. He is struggling so much about what it is this opera was supposed to be. But while walking around the New York uh, Museum, he saw a painting that still to this day is there that is known as the Inspiration of the Magi, and you'll see this painting show up and it's where he got his, his theme for this particular opera that would be on the television. See, in their tradition, they were thinking about the concept of the Magi and how the Magi came to the baby Jesus, which if we were to really think about that, he really wasn't a baby. He was probably around two to three years old. He'd have been a toddler, just for keeping things clear. But they brought gifts, and in the Italian tradition, that was what happened. So he wanted to kind of tell that story. Well, this went over so well that the Hall brothers, after this debuted on TV, started getting all these different letters from all these people around the United States thanking them on behalf of their families for bringing such an amazing story and such an amazing insight into the holiday tradition. And so because of that, the Hall brothers decided that at that point, they would launch one of their most famous TV series ever, simply known as the Hall of Fame. And it became an amazing Christmas tradition. This really took off in the 19, around 1954, when the Hall brothers decided that rather than being known as the Hall brothers, they were going to change their name because of the mark that was being left on people's lives. So they changed their name to Hallmark, and hence the Hallmark Christmas movie series was forever changed the Christmas season, in which all you ladies go, I love that story, and I love those movies. And that Hall of Fame is still around today, the Hallmark Hall of Fame. In fact, they are so large that they have had their own channel made called the Hallmark Channel, and especially right now, you see all of these different Christmas movies that have some sort of an amazing, amazing message to them about love and acceptance, and majority of the time, majority of the time, they usually will point to the ultimate meaning of Christmas being the aspect of Jesus Christ and God coming to this earth. Well, because these things are exploding and because of a little slogan that had happened around the 1940s where one of their gentlemen had wrote down on just a simple post-it note, and he simply said these five words, when you care enough to send the best. All of a sudden, they realized that this aspect of no longer being postcards in a shoebox, but they could start launching greeting cards, and their most famous greeting card line is known as the Shoebox Series because of the shoebox that J.C. Hall had when he got off that train in St. Louis. A little side note, the aspect of revitalizing downtown areas was one of the founding things for the Hall brothers. Because J.C. Hall, when this stuff exploded in the 1960s, decided to go to a rougher part of St. Louis and revitalize that city by putting his business right in the middle of it and bringing worth to an area that some people would say was worthless. But what really happened, what was intriguing, was in the 1970s, 1973 to be exact, because the aspect of ornaments had exploded, and all these people were buying these glass balls, and all of a sudden this was a competitive thing. It used to be just these German handmade, made of lead or glass 
ornaments. But now all around the world, people had realized the amount of money that could be made by Christmas ornaments. And it only made sense for the Hall brothers that since they were such a major part of the Christmas season, that it was time for them to get into the business of producing ornaments. So in 1973, the Hall brothers, after they had gotten together, launched their very first ornament and started a series that still exists today known as the Keepsake Ornaments. And all of a sudden, ornaments went from the concept of decorative and beauty to actually having something of meaning. In fact, that very first ornament, 1973, looked exactly like this. You ever heard of the word precious moments? Well, that's where it came from. Because the Hall brothers, a.k.a. Hallmark, decided, and I just want to read for you, things that they believe would motivate people when it came to decorating their Christmas tree and what it stood for. And here's what they wrote. According to Hallmark Research, the top five reasons for buying and displaying Christmas ornaments are, number one, to commemorate a milestone. Number two, to recall a special memory. Number three, to represent a child or grandchild on the tree. Number four, to one day pass along the ornament as an heirloom. And number five, to express the individual's personality. See, all of a sudden, Christmas ornaments on a tree were more than just decoration. They actually meant something. In fact, for those of you that are curious, the longest-running keepsake ornament that is still going today is what's called the Frosty Series. They're in their 35th year, and if you go around, this is going to become such a big deal that in a lot of your cities, especially some of your small, quaint towns, they will have an actual Hallmark Keepsake Club that gets together and displays and talk about some of their ornaments. But all of a sudden, ornaments... Yeah, they took on a whole new meaning. Speaking of those precious moments, little children, and I'm going to be real careful because I will cry if I drop this, but every year we have a little train with two little precious moment kids that goes on the Clark tree. And on the front of it, it says, or on the side, it says 1997. And on the front, it simply says, first Christmas together. Yes, this is the ornament that me and my wife picked out our first Christmas after being married in 1997. And ironically enough, there are other ornaments that along the way that fit this Hallmark thing. For example, this little blue sock with a bunny showing up. Well, that little bunny represented baby Braden when he came into the world in December the 16th of 2002. And he was his first Christmas with us. The other things that have shown up along the way is amazing times like I had Addie get these for me so you knew she would include herself. Baby's first Christmas, Addie Kate. And then there's other moments in life that seem to, to grab a hold of you and you remember. For example, this is from 2015. And it's simply a tree and at the top of that tree it says, we believe in miracles. And in the middle of it is a little picture with me and Brian. The last day we were leaving the hospital, when she went from 30 days prior of falling and not being expected to live more than five minutes because they didn't have much hope, to being a little baby that was walking out of the Children's Hospital of Atlanta, no medicines, 
on no sort of a struggle except for a little limp in her left foot, but no longer wearing hearing aids because God had healed her completely. But you know, every year it's emotional. If you come to my house, if you've ever seen the movie Christmas Vacation, there's a lot of similarities. Yes, Clark Griswold has a good name. And there's been many times that my wife literally has told me verbatim, I don't mind watching this movie, but I feel like I've lived this. And I'm like, well, just keep watching. Except for the rant at the end, it's pretty close to me. (laughs) But even at Christmas time, I have a huge, I mean, huge box that I pull down and I come down and I, I put it on the floor and and I almost brought a rocking chair up here today and I almost brought that box with me but it just was kind of cumbersome so I kind of streamlined things and the children know and praise the Lord they love their dad and they'll play my games including my wife and we sit around and they have to listen to the same stories over and over when I pull out different ornaments I say oh look you know what this one represents and all of them go Yes, it's, and they tell the story of the ornament, and it, then they get to go and put their different one. But, but one of the ornaments that we put on the tree every year is actually you guys. It's the ornament that me and Amy picked out in 1997, and on the bottom it simply says, Crossroads Community Church, 91717. Thank you for being an awesome wife and partner, Mickey. And we think about you guys, but that's not the oldest one. None of these are the oldest. Ironically enough, at the Clark Tree, one of the favorite ornaments that the girls like to grab is Amy Lou's Hello Kitty from when she was a child. And they go and they they say, okay, it's time to get the oldest ornament. Who knows what that is? And they're all like, it's the Hello Kitty. It's the Hello Kitty. And I pull the Hello Kitty out of the box and they all laugh. and, And sometimes Mama will hang it on the tree. And sometimes she's like, Ellie, just go put that on the tree, you know. And we've got so many ornaments that as we hang stuff on our tree, we no longer can fit on just one tree. We have two trees at the Clark House to display all these ornaments. But the point of it is very simple. What started out as, as balls and decorative and lead pipes, because of amazing people like Hallmark and the Hall Brothers, and because of people in your family that make homemade stuff, and if you have a small child, they're bringing stuff home from school. And who knew that a little bit of paper and a little bit of glue and a little bit of glitter would be something that you'd keep for many, many years. And all of a sudden, stuff had meaning, right? And, and, and the older you get, you can look at that tree, and, and it's almost like a, it's like a flashback. It's like all of a sudden, the Christmas tree becomes more than just a piece of decoration and tradition. It starts telling your story. It starts telling your life story. Now, I want you to hold that thought as we dive into God's Word for a minute, okay? I want to talk to you about one simple concept that that is a little bit unique. It's a constant theme throughout God's Word, and it talks about the authority of God. One of the central themes of God's Word is this aspect of God's right hand. If you were to look at the end, it talks about how Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God, and it's a place in in biblical times, and even today, that is known as a place of honor. It's known as a place of authority. It's known as a place of comfort. And if you were to turn to Psalms, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, it talks about this hand. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, one of the central themes of God's word is the fact of how God is so good at being 
God. Now, I know you're thinking that may be the most, like, duh, thank you, Captain Obvious. But it's amazing. Because, see, whenever we start acting like God, things can get a little bit crazy, doesn't it? But when we let God be God and him be Lord and we sit in our position, when we know where our position is, it has a way of life to start to work itself out no matter what may come. No matter what children fall off of different chairs. No matter what new direction God tells you to go to stop one and launch another. No matter when things happen and you meet somebody special and you say, you know what, this is it. This is who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Or when all of a sudden you come home and you go to use the bathroom and somebody's left one of those little bitty tests out and you go, what? Is there something you need to tell me? And all of a sudden you go, I don't know what's next. But you know what's amazing is God does. God does. Like, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Not only does God know, but if you'll be in your right position, it says, at your right hand, talking about God, are pleasures forevermore. I'm not going to read through it. They can put it up in the back. It's this same scripture, this block of scripture, that Peter actually quotes in Acts chapter 2. You can put the scripture up. I'm not going to read it, but I just want to verify it. Do you know that it's this concept of the right hand of God? that Peter uses in his message in Acts chapter 2 that is launched into what would end up being Pentecost and where 3,000 people are saved in one day? See, there is something about us that likes to know that God is in control. And when we grasp the concept of him being Lord and him being God, then we realize, you know what, wow, this is amazing. And Peter literally quoted these exact scriptures out of Psalms chapter 16 at that day when he saw 3,000 people and what would be known as God's church was launched. I, I believe the reason why is because people like to know that somebody's got them covered. In fact, there were a few things that I wrote down. I said the right hand of God is a place, and I wrote these down. If you want to take notes, that's fine. But in biblically speaking, it's a place of honor. It's also a place of obedience and authority. It's a place that God gives you the ability to have authority over different concepts. We call it prayer. We call it God's spirit. We have the ability to, in Jesus' name, to go to different concepts and to speak his authority. He empowers us. But it's also a place of submission to his authority. The other thing that I wrote down is it's a place of blessing. And I was thinking about this particular verse. Where it talks about, and at the right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like when we submit to where our position is, and we stop trying to be in charge of everything, and we allow God to be in charge of our life, then God can richly bless us, and he can lead and guide us, and there's blessings there. Another thing I wrote down, it's a place of hope. I believe that's really what captivated everybody when Peter delivered this amazing message in Acts chapter 2 in particular in verses 25 and 20 through 28, when he quotes Psalms chapter 16 that I just read you, as I think there was a lot of people that felt very hopeless. And when Peter started speaking this psalm that King David wrote, they realized that, you know what, there is a place of hope. 
And that place of hope is at the right hand of God, which is where Jesus Christ sits to this day and will be there forevermore. See, the reason of this whole concept of Christmas is because with Christmas, it was more than just, wow, God came to earth. No, hope left heaven and joined us on earth. Like for the first time, we had hope again. And then another thing that I wrote down is it's also a place of action. The reason why I wrote it's a place of action is because one of the other concepts that it talks about the, the right hand of God is one of the major themes. It's in Matthew chapter 25. You're not going to see the scriptures on, stay, on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 25, he talks about the separation of the sheeps and the goat. And he says that on my right side is where I gather my sheep. And on my left side is where I separate the goats. The sheep, they know his name. And in Matthew chapter 25, he talks about how the various things that the sheep did to be obedient to God. Because, and you've heard this parable before, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me food. And he keeps going, and his disciples ask him, and they said, but Jesus, we, we never saw you. When did we, we see you naked in clothing? Where did we see you hungry and feed you? Where did we see you thirsty and gave you water? And Jesus' reply to them was, whenever you saw the least of these and did it unto them, it's like you did that unto me. And because of that, I say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your place. Enter into heaven where there is no more pain or sorrow or gnashing of teeth. But then he turned around and said to the people that would be on his left, depart from me for I never knew you. Because when I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was thirsty, you did not give me drink. When I was naked, you did not clothe me. And they had the same response. But, but God, Jesus, when did we see you? And he talked about their neighbors. See, that's what's so amazing to me and the reason why we're so big on our community is it's a biblical concept. Like what you guys did this last week for the empty stocking fund. See, you thought you, you gave kids Christmas. But what you actually did is you represented and you gave Jesus Christmas. See, Jesus associates with his people. And he says, when you do it unto the least of these, it's like you did it unto me. It was an amazing act of worship. So this place is a place of action. But there's something more that's going on. It's not just the separation of the sheep and goats. It's not just this aspect of action. It's not just this place, but... But more importantly, and here's what I wrote down, the bottom line is God's great at being God when you understand your place. Like this holiday season, I want to really help you to understand where is your role this Christmas? Some of you feel like you're the one that should be at the lead. But the reality is, is God's calling you to be just to his right. I will chase a real quick rabbit, super quick. This is the reason why, ladies, if you ever get escorted in any sort of an event, where it be homecoming or your wedding, it's the reason why you should be escorted to his right. Because the right is a place of honor. That's the reason why when you go to a wedding, you will have it labeled certain ways and the bride's family always sits to the right of the groom. 
But where it gets confusing is when we want to do it our way, right? And I just got very simple, 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 simple thought. It's like ornaments on a tree. Some of us struggle with trust, don't we? Like the biggest reason why we a lot of times try to grab a hold of stuff is because we've had things that have let us down. And because things have let us down, we have a hard time struggling with what we can trust and what we need to be in charge of. In fact, there's a scripture, a very, very, very familiar scripture that's in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it simply says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You say, Mickey, what in the world does this have to do with me? What's that to do with Chris? What's that to do with ornaments? Can I bring it all home? See, if, if I can look at my ornaments on a tree, and I can look at things of the past, and I can see God's faithfulness, if I can look at ornaments every Christmas and go, wow, that's right. He brought me to my wife. Wow, that's right. He gave me amazing children. Wow, that's right. He protected us through some of our toughest times. Wow, that's right. He has a calling on my life for me to know him better and to discover my purpose and to find freedom and to go make a difference. Wow, he's been with me. Ever since I was a child, protecting and guiding me. See, if, if I can look at my ornaments on a tree and I can see God's hand and I can see his faithfulness, then why do I have such a hard time trusting him? See, I don't want you to ever put up a Christmas tree again just putting up the tree. In fact, for some of you, especially you that are a little bit older, you've stopped some of this. You start saying, oh, I'm just going to pass these. It's such a, I, I just put up, like we just do decorative stuff. Don't fall into that trap. Every year I'd get some of those special ornaments on, and I would tell my children, yes, all these ornaments that belong to you, when I'm no longer on this earth, you can have every single one of them. But as long as I'm here... One time a year when I set this tree up, as emotional as it may be, I need to put these ornaments on my tree so that every time I hang one, I can remember God is faithful. Yesterday at the empty stocking, I talked to a gentleman. He was talking about putting the ornaments on his tree. He was talking about how emotional it was for, this, for him this year. Because in this year, literally all hell has broken loose in his life. He talked about battling cancer. He talked about having COVID and battling COVID. He talked about battling some heart issues. And in the process of all that, he lost his son. And he said as he was putting those ornaments on the tree, he said it was emotional to look back at all the different things and some of those ornaments, knowing that he was no longer with him. 
But he said this. It was amazing to me. I was sitting literally right outside on this little like loading dock, and we were talking. And he said, but you know, God is faithful. I wish he could be here today to tell you. Because when he was telling of all the things that happened in his life, you know what I wasn't thinking? Woohoo, man, God's faithful. I was thinking, man, you want a hug or something, man? Like, I, like it did, shoot. It's been a tough year. But that's not what he thought about. Can I tell you what I wrote in my notes? When it comes to ornaments, when it comes to your life, if you'll stop long enough just to think about it, listen to these words. If we can look at ornaments and it shows us that he has been faithful in the past, then shouldn't we be able to trust him today and give him our tomorrows? If we can see God's hand and see how he's been faithful, and we can look at our past and say, you know what? Mickey, there's one thing I know. God's been faithful. Well, then can we not sit here and go, okay, listen. If he's been faithful in the past, can we not give him our today? And if he's faithful today, can we not give him our tomorrow? See, ornaments sir. Just glass balls that hang on a tree in 1890 that made somebody else a lot of money. But praise the Lord, two boys from Kansas City, the Hall brothers, realized it could mean so much more. And I think that's the next step when we talk about our tree farm. Because I believe a lot of times our issue is not just God faithful to his people. Our issue is just simply seeing it. But I don't want you to miss it. For some of you today, you just need to know that you can trust him. Like that scripture as we put it back up, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. Leaning not on your own understanding. You just need to know, can I trust him? Well, I want you to do me a favor. I'm not going to trick you. Just do me a favor. Shut your eyes. Block out everything that's around you. Don't think about the amazing decor. Don't think about the ornaments. Don't think about the trees. I just want to ask you a very simple question. Have you seen God be faithful to you in your past? Yes, there's been some hellacious days. Yeah, there's been some days that you may have felt like you hit rock bottom. You may have lost some loved ones that you still struggle because the amazing life that they meant to you and what they represent in your life. You may have went through some extremely tough times. May have been financially, may have been relationally, may have been, I don't know. But can you answer this question? Has God been faithful to you? If you answered yes to that, 
All I want you to do is trust him today and for your tomorrow. Open your eyes and look at me. You know, all these ornaments are pretty cool, and I'm going to do this easily because, again, if I break one of these, you'll see a grown man cry. But as you go through and thinking about trusting him for tomorrow, can I tell you the power that God has? He has some unbelievable moments that he just needs you to get to. Like, I want you to hear me very clearly. You think it's been great so far? God's got more coming. Get there. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.